Affidavit of Shay Jackson. My name is Shay Jackson, and I was born in Utopia City, Utopia, and moved to Arcadia when I was six. From the name, you might think Arcadia is paradise on Earth. I guess it is for some. The nearby mountains are beautiful and attract a lot of tourists who enjoy outdoor adventures. And the Paradise Casino on Lake Alessa draws crowds of people willing to part with their money. But the glitz and glamour didn't brighten the lives of those like my parents, who labored day and night to give those tourists a carefree vacation. My dad was security guard and my mom was a custodial engineer, which meant they barely made enough money to keep food on the table for me and my five younger brothers and sisters. My folks always told us to study hard and stay in school because they'd be our ticket to a better life. When we were old enough, they encouraged us to spend our afternoons and summers at the nearby Boys and Girls Club while they were at work. I started going when I was six. I loved it at first. Our parents sent us for tutoring and academic support programs, but my favorite part was the Hero Club, where instructors taught us physical fitness and self-defense techniques based on a Krav Maga. Krav Maga is based on official self-defense system of the Israeli Defense Forces, or the IDF. Our club instructor served two years in the IDF before becoming a certified instructor and moving to Arcadia. The club was challenging and fun, and I learned a lot of useful skills. But I quit going when I turned 11. I got tired of the other students hassling me for wearing thrift store clothes. When I complained to my folks, they told me to deal with it, so I decided to earn my own money. The quickest way to do that was through drugs. I offered to be a lookout for neighborhood dealers in exchange for cash. I looked so innocent that the cops didn't catch on to me, and I proved myself useful. Soon I started selling pot, and I was good at it, too. I could act different ways, tough, innocent, funny, whatever it took to convince people to trust me, so I could make the sale. I made enough money to buy nicer clothes and shoes, and when my parents asked where all the money was coming from, I wouldn't give them a straight answer. I felt invincible, until I was arrested for possession of marijuana. As a first-time non-violent offender, I got probation, and was supposed to stay in school and pay for drug testing and not violate any laws and meet a bunch of other requirements. But all of the requirements were really expensive, and my parents didn't have the money. So I ended up going back to dealing. In August of 2013, when I was 14, I got in a fight with a customer, and the cops brought me in for drug trafficking and simple assault. In my adjudication, I was confined to the Arcadia Juvenile Detention Center. The detention center was no joke. At first, I kept getting jumped because I refused to join a gang but I fought back using the skills I'd learned in Krav Maga, and most inmates learned to leave me alone. I was really lonely, and I had to always be on my guard, ready to defend myself. About a month after I was locked up, I let my guard down and got shanked. I still have the scar on the back of my shoulder. I almost bled out, but the ER doc saved me. While I was in the hospital recovering, I realized if I didn't turn my life around, I was always going to be in danger. So I started studying, earned my GED by age 16, and enrolled in an online program in hospitality management and culinary arts at Eldor. Rado Technical Community College. The prison staff saw how dedicated I was and even assigned me to kitchen detail so I could complete my final cooking projects. When I learned, earned my associate's degree in December of 2016, I almost burst with pride. In March 2017, when I turned 18, I was released. I was confident I'd get a good job with my new skills, but job searching was harder than I thought. Because I had been in so much trouble when I was younger, it was nearly impossible to get through an interview without letting people know I had been locked up. I'd almost given up when I was offered a job busting tables in the food court at Paradise Casino. It wasn't what I'd hoped for, but I was determined to work hard and earn my employer's trust. In December of 2017, I was promoted to line cook at Burgers Bros. Three months later, I was switched to cashier. It definitely was a step up since it meant I interacted with the public. Even when a customer was rude or made ridiculous claims about wait times or fries that weren't as hot as they wanted, I kept my cool and dealt with their complaints in a professional manner. I attribute some of that to Krav Maga 
emphasis on staying calm and de-escalating tense situations if possible. Now that I was earning more, I could afford to attend craft classes two to three times a week. I even entered a few tournaments and won several trophies. In June of 2018, an assistant manager position came open at Tito's Tacos in the food court. Even though it meant I'd worked the late shift, 5 p.m. to 2 a.m., I saw it as a chance to advance in my career. People gambled all hours in the casino, so the food court stayed open until 2 a.m. My interview went great, and soon I was the new evening assistant manager at Tito's. The increased responsibility was sometimes tough, dealing with no-show employees and drunk customers, but I rose to the occasion. I stayed cool under pressure and adapted to changing circumstances, without panicking. I figured out how to motivate others and gain their cooperation. Soon I was closing and making nighttime deposits on my own. It felt good that my boss trusted me, and I never wanted to do anything to lose that trust. I didn't even mind working the late shift, at least not most of the time. I was miles from the casino, and the place allowed pets, so I had adopted a rescue dog, an adorable brown small mutt. I named her Ariel. She was always happy to see me when I got off work, which made a huge difference to my self-esteem. Ariel was crazy smart, too. She was rolling over, shaking on command, and chasing balls in the park like a pro before I had to put her in her crate and leave for work. I used to take her out on walks at the same time as my neighbor, Skylar DeVries. She would walk Skylar's dog. Our dogs loved to play, and Skylar and I hit it off, too. My crazy work hours had made it difficult to get to know people, so I mostly kept to myself before I met Skylar. But late in November of 2018, all of a sudden, Ariel started vomiting, running a fever, and having diarrhea. It was really scary. I called in sick to work and took her to the vet, who diagnosed her with canine parvivorous. The vet put her on IVs and kept her overnight. I was worried sick. She finally pulled through, but the vet said her immune system would be weak for months, so she should stay away from other dogs. No more ball playing in the park for a while. I was relieved she was okay, but the $1,300 vet bill hit me pretty hard. Even with a payment plan, I could barely pay my bills. I picked up extra hours at work when I could and thought about taking on a second job during the holidays. But given my work hours, nothing really fit. So I did what I did could to cut back on expenses. No meals out, no gym membership, lots of ramen and PB&J, no Netflix. I was discouraged at times, especially when I thought about how much money people lost playing cards and slot machines at the casino. If only a little of that could come my way. I just couldn't seem to catch a break. Then I heard that employees could sign up for the Holiday Texas Hold'em Poker Tournament at the casino. When I first started working there, I thought poker looked really interesting, so I spent hours and hours studying games online in the casino. I paid close attention to how people would win hands by bluffing. I even tried a few online games and won small amounts earlier in the year. So when the casino opened up and the Holiday Tournament to employees, I decided to do it. I knew it was a risk, but it seemed like my best chance to get enough money to pay Ariel's vet bills. I didn't know how I could come up with $300 buy-in, though. Right before Christmas, I mentioned it to Skylar, and I was overwhelmed when Skylar said Skylar would loan me the money. I could barely believe it, but Skylar knew how much stress I'd been under and said Skylar was happy to do it. I assured Skylar I'd pay back the loan even before I paid the vet. I was that confident I'd win. My schedule was different during Christmas weeks to cover people out of town. As soon as my shift finished at 10.30 on December 27th, I headed to Texas Hold'em Tables and didn't even change my uniform shirt. I figured, if anything, my Tito's taco shirt would make people underestimate me. When I sat down at the table, I noticed a guy in a tan checkered blazer. I didn't know his name, but I'd seen him at the casino before. He was always wearing that blazer. Other employees had joked about him, saying he always seemed to lose money but kept coming back. From what they said, I figured he'd be eliminated quickly, especially as he kept ordering the free Hoppy Holidays beers from the bar nearby. The game started, and all of my studying seemed to be paying off. As I won way more hands than I lost, my pile of chips kept growing as did my confidence, since the elders at the table asked questions that revealed they didn't know what they were doing. The guy in the blazer was one of those asking lots of dumb questions, but somehow he kept winning. 
I couldn't figure out how he was doing it. One by one, the others were eliminated, until it was just me and the guy in the blazer. The game had lasted a while, and it was almost 2 a.m. when I was dealt aces, four of a kind. I could hardly contain myself. I just knew I had him. Then he turned over his cards, and he had a straight flush. King, queen, jack, and ten, and nine of spades, which beat me. I was in shock. I couldn't count cards, but I was pretty sure that was impossible. At second place, I'd only win $700, enough to pay back Skyler, but far from what I needed. I was devastated. I was sure he'd cheated. I'd been out playing him the entire night. Then he started fist pumping and exclaimed, Take that, Taco Kid! My lucky jacket came through. I couldn't stand it. I jumped up and said, You're a cheater! I outplayed you all night. You're such a fool. That's no way you beat me without cheating. I kind of got in his face, fist clenched, and said, That money should be mine. The guy's eyes whined, and next thing I knew, he shoved me so hard that I fell into the edge of the table behind me. I knew I shouldn't have walked away. I should have walked away, but I didn't. I took a step forward, shoved him in the chest, said, Keep your hands to yourself. Then I came to my senses and turned to leave. Before I took two steps, he punched me hard in the side of my face with a right hand and knocked me to the ground. My head hit against the corner of a table as I was falling, leaving me stunned for a moment. Then out of the corner of my eye, I saw he was about to kick me, so I grabbed his leg, jerking it hard enough that he lost his balance and fell to the floor. I could smell the alcohol in his breath as I rose to my knees. I leaned over him with my fist raised while blood from my nose dripping onto his suit and said, Enough! You don't want to get into it with me. Stay down while I walk away. I glared at him for an instant, then stood up and headed quickly to the exit. I felt dizzy, but I was determined not to show it. The guy stayed quiet until I was about 30 or 40 feet away. Then he sat up and started yelling, obscenious threats at me. I glanced back, saw he was still sitting, and kept going. I didn't respond to his threats in any way. I looked back once more as I reached the door and saw that a security guard was attending to him, so I left. My head throbbed as I drove home, squinting because I kept seeing halos around the streetlights. I thought about going to the ER, but I just couldn't deal with sitting in there for hours, waiting to be seen. I couldn't afford it anyways. So I let Ariel out of her crate, changed clothes, silenced my phone, and went to bed. When I awoke mid-morning, I had a raging headache. I noticed blood on my pillow. That's when I realized I had a gash where my head hit the corner of the table. I tried to sit up, but felt very disoriented. I was scary enough that I got worried and dialed 911. When I waited on the ambulance, I called out sick from work and dragged myself to the front door. After one look at me, the EMTs carried me on a backboard to the ambulance, put one of those clothespin-like monitor things on my finger, and grilled me with questions about what had happened. At Arcadia General ER, I was put on bed in a room until a doc could see me. A nurse gave me new ice packs and put a temporary bandage on my head, then left. I waited a long time for the doc to arrive. The place was busy, and the nurse said they were short-staffed. My thoughts finally cleared, and I finally felt good enough to sit up just before the ER doc came. She cleaned the gash on my head and sealed it with staples. After more tests, she diagnosed me with a concussion. She asked if there was someone to help me, if I were to sit home, and I lied and said yes. Ariel counts, right? I couldn't afford a hospital stay. She told me to take it easy and gave me a handout on concussion management and discharged me. Then I pulled up an app to get a ride home. I saw I had a voicemail from my boss. I figured he was calling to check on me. But when I listened to it on the way home, I was shocked. He said I was being let go for getting in a fight at the casino. I was speechless. That guy attacked me. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't afford to lose this job, especially not under these circumstances. I knew I'd never be hired if people heard I was fired for fighting. How would I pay my bills? I was living paycheck to paycheck already. I couldn't let the crazy guy in the casino undo everything I'd worked so hard for. It was almost 7 p.m., so I knew the boss would have left for the day. I was so upset I had difficulty unlocking my door when I got home. Skylar saw me and asked what was wrong, and I ran to for a couple minutes before asking. Skylar to leave so I could think. I probably said some things I shouldn't have. I just wasn't thinking very clearly, and I finally decided to plead my case to my boss in the morning. I was sure I could convince him to see reason. I ate a PB&J and went to bed at by 8 p.m. 
I vaguely remember getting up around 10 p.m. to let Aerie out, but otherwise I slept straight through. I awoke around 6.30 a.m. to Ariel barking and loud banging on the door. Someone yelled, Please, open up! I stumbled to the door. When I opened it, a cop showed me an Arcadia PD badge with the name Emery Lee. I asked my name and requested to come in. I should have known better, but I said yes. Lee started grilling me about where I was the night before. When I said I was in bed, Lee asked if anyone could verify that, and of course I said no. Then Lee told me I needed to come down to the station to answer more questions. I asked why, and Lee said a man had been murdered in an alley near the casino the night before. Lee said Lee thought I might know him and might be able to help find his killer. I'm sure I look confused. Then Lee showed me a photo of the dead guy. It was the same guy who'd attacked me. He was even wearing the same brown checkered blazer, who looked crumpled and dirty. I was, wasn't born yesterday, and Lee's face gave away I was a suspect. Even with a concussion, I had the presence of mind to say I wanted a lawyer. Then Lee told me I was under arrest for the murder of Jeremy Parker. I was in shock as Lee cuffed me and led me to the patrol car outside. My lawyer tells me they find my blood and DNA on Parker's suit. Well, duh. Clearly, it's from our fight. Surely the DA will see how ridiculous this all is and throw the charges out. They need to be looking for whoever really killed the guy. It wasn't me. I've reviewed my statement and all the information is true and accurate. I haven't left out anything important and I understand I have no chance to read over it again before the trial. And if I think of anything important I need to add, I must do that. So at that time. Of the available exhibits, I am familiar with the following and only following. Exhibit 2A, Exhibit 2B, Exhibit 3, Exhibit 4, and Exhibit 5, and lastly, Exhibit 6.